Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. And now we'll go straight to our main message. There's nothing wrong with imitating Jesus in the power of Jesus, in the spirit of Jesus, in the word of Jesus. But one of the things that we have to go beyond is imitation. In other words, somebody gets healed, we try to imitate it. We memorize all kinds of scriptures to imitate spirituality. But what God wants to teach us is to touch the throne of God. I wonder how many people tried to get into that water. Remember the first one that got in a certain season would be healed? Remember where that was found? John 9, wasn't it? Anyway, the first one that got in. Can you imagine how many got in and didn't get healed? Why do you think it was that the first one in a certain season, when the angels would stir up the water, would get healed? Something's for you to think about. But many, many people try to have things happen, and they're not, they're good people, and they're sincere people, and they're godly people, but they do it through imitation. Now, what's the difference between that and imitation? A lot of people here have been healed and delivered in the past month. Something like 42 healings in Helsinki recorded. That's been recorded in the last night, 42. Now, I'm sure that many others would, would want to imitate those 42 healings. Then what can be the difference beside the principle of the Rima that we spoke upon three or four weeks ago? The other thing is having God's throne open up to us and experiencing an open heaven for our own soul. Do you remember when Peter made his great confession at Caesarea Philippi? And Jesus said, Who do they say that I am in Matthew 18:15? And they began to give him the answer. And he said, Who do you say that I am, Peter? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And immediately Jesus said, Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. That's an open heaven. When Peter didn't want to take the gospel to Cornelius the Gentile, when Peter didn't want to do it, there was an open heaven in a dream. He did it because of an open heaven. You know what's the greatest thing in classes and services is an open heaven. An open heaven. You know what makes the Word of God alive? An open heaven. You know what takes us beyond flesh and blood? An open heaven. You know what takes us beyond the speaker, whoever he is or whoever she is? An open heaven. It's not to discredit the speaker, but it's an open heaven. If I had been, I, I mean, with what I know in these past years, had I been in Jimmy Swaggett's ministry, what he did wouldn't have troubled me one iota, because I never would have my eyes upon him. I'd appreciate his singing. I'd appreciate if he preached a good message. I'd give thanks for it. I wouldn't downgrade him. wouldn't discredit him. But... I'd be communicating and listening to God through him 
And when he was speaking in God, and it was a godly means of communication, I would have an open heaven in my soul. I wouldn't have to depend upon him for my blessing, but I'd appreciate when he was used to bless me. And you see, this is the way we hunger and thirst after God's righteousness. We are told to seek God's kingdom first, not seek Jimmy Swaggett first, or anyone other man on earth. We seek the kingdom, and that may include, and probably certainly will include, a pastor-teacher in a local assembly. But an open heaven is very important. Now, when you begin to get an open heaven, the person that hasn't got healed could very well get healed. The person that hasn't been delivered will be delivered because of an open heaven. And an open heaven means there's nothing between my soul and Jesus. I believe the word of God even if I don't feel like it. I receive the word of God by faith even when I can't comprehend it. I honor the word of God in simplicity even when it doesn't work effectively in my life at that moment. And we said, one, I live by it, Matthew 4, 4. Two, I'm sanctified by it. Three, I let it dwell richly in my heart. So between Matthew 4, 4, John 17, 17, and Colossians 3, 16, then we said this morning on radio, I want to say it because it's in this context that we are saying it. Then when I listen to anyone's conversation, in principle, if it's not according to the word, it has no light for me to hear in Isaiah 8.20. Now, if we understand that we can touch an open heaven, when Ezekiel was by the river Sheba in, in the Babylonian captivity, he had heaven open up to him. When Isaiah, after many years of preaching, when King Uzziah died, 52 years being king, the heaven opened and God saw, uh, Isaiah saw God high and lifted up on a throne in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's an open heaven. Now, many times before I preach, I'm very, um, I don't like to have people talk to me in the platform. I'm always having somebody talk to me. I don't want to be rude because it's people that I love. And they're always saying this. They're always saying that. And, and I'm talking to God. I'm touching an open heaven. But I'm doing it while I'm, my eyes are open. But I'm touching an open heaven. And somebody will be singing a beautiful song. And I'll get an elbow. And then I'll get an elbow to my left. And, uh, do you want me to do this? They'll say. They're very sincere. And, but I do not like it. Because at that time, I want to touch an open heaven. And heaven will be open for me to touch. And I want to be a vessel unto honor through faith in Jesus Christ with an open heaven. And that means nothing between me and my Savior. Now, in order to have this done effectively, I must go beyond academic limitations. Now, what do I mean by that? 
There's nothing I can't get from academia. I can get anything I want. But academia, which is important and vital, could limit my open heaven. Let's say I had seven verses in Ephesians 1, 1 to 7. I had it well prepared. I had the Greek. I had the exegetical part. I had the, the proper apologetics. And I had it all down. And uh, because I've been doing this for 15 years, I can get that stuff down very quickly. I've, God has given me a gift in some areas, but not in other areas. And one of my gifts is I can study and photograph it just like that on any subject. And that's a gift, I guess. But if I want to remember to carry a pen to church, I forget it. <laughs> I don't hardly call that a photographic memory. If I try to remember Aunt Susie, who's a little senile's name, I forget and call her Aunt Mary. So it's kind of mysterious how the mind works. You can remember, memorize Hebrews and, and remember the exegetical words often, but you can't remember... Charlie's grandmother who was just put in the hospital. It's funny how that goes. But it's so important to understand that too much academia can limit your spiritual life and stop heaven from being open. Now, you young preachers, you remember that. Don't you get so caught up in knowing a lot that some of us someday have got to risk making you not like us by telling you to knock it off. Be prepared, but not so prepared that God can't touch you. Because if you, if you like somebody's preaching and you start imitating them, you will limit your capacity for an open heaven. You see, learn to let God develop your capacity for your own style. Now, as precious as academia is, and it is precious and needed and very important, there's no premium on ignorance. Likewise, likewise, the emotional preacher. I think it's great when, when I can say, well, like I'm going to do in a few minutes, about God is love, and we get kind of broken over it. Or I can get up tomorrow morning. I'm not trying to be ritualistic. And I said to a very beautiful wife, we've never had this day before, have we? And she said, no. And I said, well, who are we going to take for our senior partner today? Now, we do this every day. And I know it sounds to you repetitious. But to us, we'd die without it. The wrong kind of a death, you know. <laughs> and uh, she said, the Holy Spirit. I said, do you take him as your senior partner? She said, yes. And I said, well, I take him for my senior partner. And then I said, who is present here right this moment? And she said, Jesus Christ. And I said, do you acknowledge his presence all day and all night, barring no emotional interference, barring no circumstantial hindrance, and barring no uh, uh, fleshly uh, intervention? Do you accept his presence now, all day and all night, as of this moment on today? And she said, yes. And I said, okay. Now, by grace, let's pray. I don't want to pray before I settle that issue. Because if I didn't settle that issue, I'd be imitating what a Christian's supposed to do to be spiritual. You know, like, 
I, I don't necessarily think I've got to have my devotions to be spiritual. I think I've got to know God to be spiritual. It may include my devotions, but if I don't want to have devotions, nobody's going to make me, and you won't condemn me because I won't consider that. See, I, I hate this business of evangelism that tells everybody, have devotions at 6 o'clock every morning. I'm not going to have devotions at 6 o'clock every morning. I'm not going to pray every morning at 6 I'll pray and have read the Word of God, and I think it's important, under the leadership of Christ. But I refuse to make it a religious, ritualistic practice to make me think that I've done my thing with God today. can't do it. I've tried it, and I've even preached it, and neither one works. And I, I, I'm for the principle of it. Don't misunderstand me. I'm for the principle but I'm not for the religious practice. Notice I said religious practice. You know what I mean, to, to do good before God, to be faithful. I used to read three chapters a day and then to read all through the Bible. I couldn't get anything out of it. I've completed my three today. I completed my five, because some days you have to read five. <laughs> then I tried it with the Gideons. Did it. Didn't profit through the whole program. I'm not saying it's not right for some people. Chucked it away. That's why I've never started read through the Bible in a year in this church. What if God told you not to? Then you've got to obey my program. I don't want you to have to obey a program from us. We try to be as simplistic as we can to get you to be led by God and still be in the Word and in the prayer, but not on my terms. You understand that now? Now... <laughs> It may not be important to you, and I hope it doesn't make some of you backslide. But if you have those good habits, then they may be life to you. Keep them up. But for some of the others of you that do not have those exact, precise religious habits, adopt discipline under the headship of Christ and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Adopt a disciplined life but under the headship of Christ and the leadership of the Spirit. And he may tell you to get two hours extra sleep and uh, to talk on your way to work. Really? And he may give you the most amazing blessing of your life on the way to work that morning. And you were far better off to get the extra two hours <laughs> on that given day. Just don't take advantage of it. <laughs> I heard a preacher say yesterday on a tape I was listening to coming down from Folston. He said he hadn't had a vacation all these years. And he said that he hadn't been sick for 20 years. I, and that's commendable. That's commendable. But I didn't get condemned a bit. I'd take a vacation next August if I could do it and have a great time. I appreciate him, but I listen to heaven beyond him, and I want you to listen to heaven beyond me. But I want you to appreciate what I have to say, and I think we're in a Word of God revival, and you can pretty much trust this pulpit to say a lot of great things today, as always, honestly. But always keep an open heaven where God blesses you with what you hear in the freshness of your own throne relationship to Jesus Christ through the Spirit, which is your final teacher. You see that? They'll never write this in a paper until I get to heaven, will they? 
How many times do I teach you these things in different ways? But no, no. Who cares? Who'd want them to? I'd feel I was backslidden if they wrote something good. <laughs> now, <laughs> kingdom of devil complementing the kingdom of God? No, no. Can't be that way. Now, live with an open heaven. Now, the first thing that we learn when we understand an open heaven is the most beautiful thing in the world. It is God is love. God is just because God is love. God is veracity because God is love. God is a God of reconciliation because God is love. You see, God is righteous because God is love. I heard a speaker say recently, he said, God bless him, top church in America, this is what he said. He said, that you can't love unless you have an object. Everybody clap. That's what he said. He said, you can't love unless you have an object. He laughed and he said, have you ever tried to love without an object? Now, we know better than that. God was love before he ever created the angels. Of course you love without an object. If you don't, the object will regulate your love. That's the problem with Christians. They love because of the object. No, when you understand that God is love, you have love without an object. Now, if I have God's love without any objects to love, I am in good condition. Do you realize that when these three little words, now, the uh, Grecians said that God is beautiful. The Romans said that God is strength. The Jews said that God is law. But the Apostle John says on the, that God is love. God is beautiful because he's love, and God is strong because he's love, and God is law because he's love. But three little words, God is love. And that famous preacher said that God couldn't love if he didn't have an object. Now, just because I respect him and he's blessed me in my life, that doesn't mean I'm going to accept things when he's wrong. That's not, that's not a terrible statement. It's just not right. Don't you think God was love before he ever created the angels? How many think God was love before he created the angels? Don't you think God was love before he ever created man? Do you think the angels and man have ever stopped God from being love? Do you? Do you think your sins have ever stopped the nature of love? No, they just gave God an opportunity to reveal it, to make it personal. You see, failure and sin and need gives God a right to reveal what love is all about. His love. And that's extremely important. D.L. Moody had this little gas jet over his little pulpit. He had three little words, God is love. An alcoholic came and listened to his message and got gloriously saved. And Dr. Moody said when he met him, he said, you were broken all night when I was preaching. What did I say to do it? He said, I haven't heard a word you said. But over the pulpit, I kept looking at the words. 
God is love. You see, God is love, and as simple as that sounds to you tonight, do you understand it? Now, let me illustrate it. If I have an emotional problem, I don't understand it. If I have a problem with fear, I don't comprehend it. If I'm guilty, I haven't received it. If there's something else I need, I don't understand how to be single toward it. You see, the average Christian doesn't understand the obvious. The average believer doesn't receive the simplistic truth about God, and therefore they're never rooted and grounded in who God is. Love. Ephesians 3.17 and Colossians 2.7 says, Be rooted and grounded in love and abound with thanksgiving. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com Starting in Ephesians 1, in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Heavenly places. This phrase is used four times in the book of Ephesians, and actually the Greek word is used five times there. It's a unique word. Above the sky, or above the air, or above all that's exalted, So these heavenly places we're talking about, heavenly places, really we can only find out about heavenly places, about what's above the sky, if that which comes from there reveals that to us, right? Otherwise we wouldn't know. We'd have no way of knowing. So it's even, you could say that this is a good word, you could say it's above the stars. It's heaven. It's the third heaven. Above all that you see around you. So God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in these heavenly places. With all spiritual blessings in these heavenly places. So we have authority that comes from heaven, that comes from above the sky. We have blessing that's waiting for us there above the sky. That in itself is quite profound. We understand that God dwells in this place and we understand that we have a heavenly father, a heavenly father, a father from above the sky. This is our father. Now we skip to the second place in Ephesians where it talks about heavenly places. Ephesians 1, 20 and 21. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. This is Jesus who is seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, above all principalities. And that word there, we know it's, it's talking about orders. It's talking about 
demean it's like it's talking about a classes. It's talking about rankings, orders. There's social orders. There's social rankings. There's political orders that we see that work in the world. It says that Jesus is above all of these things, all of these dominions, all of these orders. But there's also rankings and orders in the heavenlies. And, and this is what God would reveal to us in a real way. He wants us to know the order and rankings and dominions in the heavenlies. So we have an understanding of how things work because that's very important in any practical endeavor. So here it's fully establishing Jesus is in charge. He's been given a name above every name. He's been given a title above every title. The word of the Lord, when Jesus opens his mouth and says something, all previous decree made by any other lower title than his title is overridden by the word of God, by the word of the Lord. Do we understand that? Are we clear about that? Mm -hmm. Commitments that we've made in life before. That means all unrighteous deeds done by us have been declared by the king now to no longer have credence because they're covered under the blood. Because Jesus has the authority to do that. That's in his order. Ephesians 2.6 And he has raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are seated in heaven. He has made us. He's made us to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Because he has the authority to do that. We are seated with him there in that place. Ephesians 3, verses 10 and 11. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he has purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here in Hebrews 12.22 Ye are come unto, the, unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. It's the heavenly place. Hebrews 3.1 Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, the heavenly invitation, receivers of the gospel. And the last place in Ephesians. Ephesians six twelve, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We, we wrestle against orders, dominions, exousia there, powers. They're in places above us. They're in places in the sky. Things were put out of order. When Lucifer fell, he took a third of the angels with him. Order was disrupted in the heavenlies. And when Adam fell, order was disrupted in the earth. But when Jesus was crucified, order was restored in the earth. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, order was restored in the heavenlies. And we see we live in this day now where things seem to be out of order. Things around us are very out of order. 
But we are the way that God, that we're supposed to be. We are. God has made us that way. We've come under his order. He's brought us into a heavenly place where everything is in order the way it should be. And we are in him. And he will come and establish that same order in the earth that's been established in heaven. Everything that is out of order will be put in order. Everything that is wrong will be made right. And Jesus will exalt who he will exalt. And he has decided to exalt us because he has made us holy. He calls us brethren, holy brethren, partakers of the divine invitation. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. Isn't it wonderful? The believer has an open heaven. The child of God has a heavenly home. We're all creations of God, but there's a point in time where we are transformed. Colossians 1, 12-14 says, Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us need to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. So there's a point in time where we're translated out of one kingdom into the kingdom of his dear Son. And that happens because we believe in Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross, that our sins are paid for, that he did something for us and has a gift waiting for us that is immeasurable. To be in God's order means to accept this gift. Have you ever done that? You can, you know. If the Spirit of God is touching your heart, you can ask Christ to be your Savior and he'll come into your life and he'll take that which is out of order and put it in order. Please do that today. Contact us if you've done that. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you, and God bless you.